hello everybody and welcome to our latest podcast today it's me duncan williams and one of my business partners john newson good afternoon not an awful lot's been happening john over the last few weeks the bank of england left interest rates at five and a quarter percent inflation hasn't done an awful lot your thoughts i think if you look at all central banks they've all done the same haven't they ecb the fed Bank of England, they all maintained rates where they were and they all pretty much, I think, were trying to indicate that the numerous rate cuts that a lot of folks had already assumed were coming were not necessarily coming. They all have a serious credibility problem with regard to getting it so wrong and they can't afford to take their boots off the throat of inflation too early because then their credibility will have totally vanished. So uh, I'm not surprised they've left they've left rates where, where they are and they've kicked the can down the road for a little bit longer. But as we've said before, I think part of the problem now is that global economies are a little more inflation-prone. So you can get these, whether it's what's going on in the Red Sea or, or, or whatever, you can suddenly get these these issues coming up, if not out of nowhere, but suddenly becoming inflationary. And I know that you can look at core inflation when they take out energy and food and housing, but you know it's not as if we all don't use those things, is it? So I think the inflation situation is probably as complicated as it has been for 30 years, if not more. Having made a mess, they can't afford to make an even bigger one. Yeah, I mean, that's the point, isn't it? They've made one mess. And if they make a second mess and reduce interest rates too quickly, inflation comes back when they've got to put interest rates up again. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be highly embarrassing. First of all, they created the mess with their money printing. Then they believed their own models, which, which said that there wouldn't be much inflation. Then when the inflation was clearly on its way, they didn't do enough. And then in the end, they were forced to jack rates so quickly probably in percentage terms, all of them have done the highest uh, and quickest hikes on record. So it's not just one less that they're responsible for. There are numerous. The common theme does seem to be that the ECB here and across the pond are all saying there needs to be more evidence that inflation is falling before they will cut the rates. I think the other thing is, what is inflation? Inflation is a very personal thing. If you are buying high-end Porsche at the moment, then you've probably got deflation because they're really, really struggling to sell them. I guess the same could be said about Rolexes. But then on the other hand, if you're in the supermarket an awful lot buying fresh fruit, etc., it's clear that the prices aren't coming down yet. Yeah, I mean, inflation is only ever a, a, an approximation. But I think also in developed countries, I'm not sure that some of these figures, I think, are uh, deliberately opaque in order to apply a deflator to the numbers. I can remember I was once on holiday in, in Uzbekistan and I said to our guide, what's inflation in Uzbekistan? And she said, well, do you want the number the government gives us or do you want the number that I'll give you? I said, well, give me both. And she said, well, the government tell you it's 10%, but I'll tell you it's about 30 I think, you know, there's an element of that with inflation figures now. I think they structurally underrepresent what, what true inflation is. My personal inflation is actually quite low because my wife spends most of her time in TK Maxx. So if anyone sees her in there, please give me a ring because I'll come along and flush her out. I can think of a lot worse places to send her shopping than TK Maxx. I think in a way, you're, you're quite lucky.
And then moving on, Germany seems to have a novel way now of dealing with uh, their economy. They're trying out a four-day week this week. That's, that's just what you want in an ever more competitive world, a four-day week. Do you think they'll be trying that out in Shanghai or Ho Chi Minh City? Well, they might move down from seven days a week, perhaps, to well, six and a half. Well, maybe, but they won't be coming down to four, would be my guess. No, I think you're absolutely right. The other thing I read was that the US market, they have been factoring in six rate cuts during 2024. This has now been reduced to three, and Powell remains cautious. The job situation last week in the States, the figures boomed, which was a surprise. Again, that leads to wage inflation, you would think, which means there is this ongoing reluctance to reduce interest rates. I think I'm right in saying that with those American figures, there are percentage increase of, of people who are no longer available for work. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about with regards to official figures now. People who have just sort of, they haven't retired or whatever, but they're just suddenly not, no longer in the workforce, as, as, as it were. Obviously, that kind of jiggery-pokery affects uh, unemployment rates or employment rates, whichever way you want to look at it. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're the fruit and veg market in Peckham or whether you are the bond market or whatever. A market is just that. It, it's a lot of buyers and sellers coming together. And there's been a lot of talk of interest rates coming down. And then you'd think that would have an effect on the price at which we borrow at, governments borrow at, and companies borrow at. But last week, Santander raised its mortgage rate. So what does Santander know we don't know? It's a clear indication to me that we aren't going to go back to 1% or 2% interest rates and similar rates of mortgages. Well, I think that's the bizarre thing, which is we came through an extraordinary, unique I would argue, period. And people seem to think that what happened there was some form of normality. And it wasn't. It it was a total abnormality. So going back to that with with, mortgage rates of 2.5% or whatever is just not going to happen. This was all a, a legacy of the financial crisis where... It took far, far too long to normalise monetary policy. It went to ridiculous lengths. Remember when three or four years ago they were issuing bonds that were going to deliver an absolute real loss from here to redemption. But because central banks were buying them in, there was still a way of making money that way. It, It was crazy. So we're not going back to that. So I think those people who think that normal service was what we've seen over the past kind of decade or so, I think are going to be very disappointed. 1.6 million mortgages to be reset during 2024. Let's watch this space. So moving on, John, Meta, formerly Facebook, came out with its results Friday and it beat all forecasts. It's doing a $50 billion buyback. It's paying its first dividend and the share price is up at 20%, one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, I bet Terry Smith's got a smile on his face. Yes, yes, he is a large holder of that, and the funders continue to do well. Oil price is uh, remaining resilient. We've now got more bombings in the Middle East. The UK and the US are taking revenge on these attacks on the ships going through the Suez Canal. A third of goods now coming from the Far East are evidently going around the Cape of Good Hope. Again, it's another inflationary pressure, but what's going to happen there? Well, that extra nine days puts a million dollars on on the fuel bill. 
So, as you say, it will aggravate inflation. And I think it also illustrates just how dependent the world still is on fossil fuels and a lot of this green energy, the plans for green energy and the length of time that this transition will take. The numbers are just not credible. It's going to take a lot longer than people assume and that fossil fuels really are part of this transition. They're not the enemy because I can foresee a situation in, in the coming years where you know, oil goes over $100 a barrel and that will be even more inflationary. Yeah, that is very true. And last week, ExxonMobil managed to quash activists wanting to vote on their climate change policy. I'm not quite sure really what it's got to do with the activists and why they would have a right to vote. But I mean, at the end of the day, ExxonMobil are tasked with generating fuel to power global economies. They're just doing their job. Last time I looked, its job was to get oil and gas out of the ground. And I'd like to see these businesses stop apologising for what they do. You're not forced to buy their petrol or their electricity or or whatever else it generates or, or, or is manufactured into. You're definitely getting vibes now that there are some big question marks about this to green energy. Volvo have been funding Polestar, the electric car producer, and they've now pulled the plug on that. Excuse the pun. <laughs> uh, pun yeah. Yes, so it just makes you wonder. There is a bit of momentum now. She's starting to realise that these electric cars in particular might not be the way forward. And I think you said earlier that there was a van manufacturer which was possibly in trouble as well. Uh, arrival, I think, haven't they gone into administration? Yeah. Uh, early days, really, I suspect. Right, and to draw matters to a close, we mentioned about Santander and the remortgaging. I was interested to see that in 2022, equity releases were 6.2 billion. In 2023, that number had more than halved to 2.6 billion pounds. And my, well, my guess is uh, really that it just shows how ultra low interest rates encourage people to withdraw equity from their property? Uh, yes, yes, as you've seen, debt repriced. It just shows you what a what, what a fillet to consumer expenditure that kind of thing was. All those granite worktops and those adverts that you see um, around countdown, if you're ever at home on an afternoon, where they suggest that people should take equity out of their homes to make home improvements. I can't think of anything more dumb. Why would you want to improve a home that you no longer own 100% of? Yeah, I agree. It's a concept I can't understand. So finally, this time of the year, we're very busy using up capital gains tax allowances and ISA allowances. Capital gains tax allowances are a lot more important now because the allowance was reduced from 12,300 to 6,000. And next year it goes down to 3,000 pounds only of tax-free capital gains. We have constantly put people into ISAs over the years and all their income, all their capital gains are tax-free. We have many clients now with more than a million pounds in ISAs. We try and get all of their higher income investments in the ISA for tax-free income. So that is becoming increasingly more important. I hope your advisor is making recommendations in the run-up to the end of the tax year. If you're unhappy with them, give us a ring or send an email. We're very happy to review your situation.
So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We've had a quick chat about inflation, interest rates, as the usual. We've spoken a bit about what's been going on in the markets. And please do subscribe to our podcasts. We are doing them every fortnight now. And please do tell your friends, colleagues, etc. They are more than welcome to have a listen. So many thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next time. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.